You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And there's no more. I'd like to start out with a shout out to all of our new listeners this week. And this week we have new listeners in London, Guildford, Bristol, Southampton, Portsmouth, Manchester, Birmingham, Rochester, Swansea, Romford, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Leeds, Cardiff, Ipswich, Derby, Gloucester and Nottingham. We also have new listeners in Dublin in Ireland, in Amsterdam, Rotterdam and The Hague in the Netherlands, in Brabant in Belgium, in Frankfurt and Hamburg in Germany, in Midtjylland and Hoverstaden in Denmark, in Stockholm in Sweden, in Mazowiecki in Poland, in Minsk in Belarus, Vienna in Austria, Turin and Milan in Italy, Lisbon in Portugal, Barcelona in Spain, Zagreb in Croatia, in Serbia, in Istanbul in Turkey, in Dubai, in Kampala, Uganda, in Delhi in India, in Beijing and Henan in China, in Sydney and Brisbane in Australia, in Sao Paulo in Brazil, in Ontario and Quebec in Canada, and then in the USA we have new listeners this week from San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, Los Angeles, Washington DC, Austin, Seattle, Tacoma, Greensboro, Dallas, Fort Worth, New York, Philadelphia, Minneapolis, Boston, Jacksonville, Denver, Pittsburgh, Grand Rapids, Cleveland, Chicago, Portland, Orlando, Daytona Beach, San Diego and Chicago. So a warm welcome to all our new listeners right across the world. And of course a big shout out too to all my regular listeners. I really appreciate you taking 30 minutes out of your week every week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR. And as always, if you have any feedback on the show, please do send it to me to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co dot U-K. I do read every one of the emails that you send in and I really appreciate all your feedback and suggestions for content and suggestions for people you'd like to see interviewed in new episodes of the show. I don't have time, unfortunately, to reply to each one individually, but please be assured I do take notice of the comments that you send in, and I welcome all your feedback, good or bad, so please do continue to send your feedback to podcasts at insurity.co.uk. And in a few moments, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So, coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we wish GDPR a happy birthday and we look at the four significant lessons that have been learned in the first 12 months of GDPR being in operation. We then move on to look at why you shouldn't ignore subject access requests. We then have the results of a consumer survey about GDPR carried out by Ipsos Mori. And we then have 
news that's broken just in the last 24 hours of a major data breach at Canva, which could potentially affect over 100 million users. And then our final article for this episode of the GDPR Weekly Show is will the storm around real-time bidding data become a tsunami for Google and the IAB? So as always, a real mix of articles for you in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. This weekend marks 12 months since the introduction of GDPR. And so we thought it was worth looking at four key lessons which we think it's fair to say have been learnt by everyone in the last 12 months. And those are as follows. Lesson one is that the European Data Protection Authorities have made it clear, and this not just through what they've said, but also through what they've done, that they really don't pay much attention to whether a violation of the provision of GDPR was an unintentional mistake stemming from neglect, laziness, sloppiness or ignorance or whether it was a a violation as a result of procedure. What they have made clear is that any violation for any reason is punishable and businesses can expect to receive a penalty for non-compliance. Now that penalty can range from a slap on the wrist to a substantial financial fine and we have been made aware by a number of the uh, Information Commission offices across Europe that there are some very big fines to come in the next few months and of course as those become public We will bring them to you on future editions of the GDPR Weekly Show. But already in this year, in January of this year indeed, we saw Google being fined 50 million euros by the French ICO. And in March, a Polish data processing company was fined 220,000 euros, again for a data breach. And so it shows that particularly with data breaches, that the ICO right across Europe are taking GDPR very seriously. So if that's lesson number one, what's lesson number two? Well, lesson number two is that willful, deliberate and blatant violations of the provisions of GDPR will receive the harshest of fines from the European Data Protection Authorities, from the ICO. Businesses who attempt to test the resolve of the regulatory authorities will pay dearly for their arrogance. And again, this has been made clear in a number of cases that have taken place during this year, many of which we've covered here on the GDPR Weekly Show. Lesson number three is that the provisions of GDPR, particularly amongst citizens of the EU, are now becoming well known, and individuals who feel that those provisions have been violated are more than willing to report offending behaviour to the ICO or the relevant data protection authority. Unscrupulous businesses who count on the ignorance or passiveness of their customers 
I like to pay a heavy price for that cynical attitude to personal data security and protection. And we take an example here from uh, November last year, Nuddles, a German social media company, reported a data breach. The subsequent investigation by the local data protection officer determined the site had been storing user passwords in plain text with no hashing. Nuddles, as a result, was fined €20,000 for not securely storing the personal data of its customers. But this also brings us into Lesson 4, because Nuddles were able to significantly reduce their fine, even though it was still fined €20,000, but that was significantly lower than the original fine proposed, because they took actions in a timely manner and also took all the actions recommended by their relevant information commissioner's office. So lesson number four, and the final lesson, is that while serious violations of the provisions of the GDPR are still subject to fines, timely reporting of security breaches to data protection authorities and quick action to reduce the risk of exposure of personal data by violating businesses could reduce the leverage fines significantly. Indeed, our experience is that they do. All businesses handling sensitive personal data should have appropriate security and compliance policies in place to mitigate the risk of a GDPR violation. And you know, we mention it often, but if you aren't sure what you need to do with regard to GDPR, do listen back to previous editions of the GDPR Weekly Show. And even better, do get in touch with us here at Insurity, and we will do our best to help you navigate your way through the GDPR regulations to ensure that you're own business is GDPR compliant. And why might you want to do that? Well, a recent survey has shown that 57% of people are more likely to use a website which displays some clear evidence or a logo to indicate that it's GDPR compliant. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A number of consumer groups are starting to grumble that the GDPR regulations don't have the teeth that it was hoped that they would have, or maybe it's that the ICO doesn't appear to have the teeth that it was hoped that they would have. Um, I would say as a practitioner in the industry, I don't actually believe that to be true. I think the teeth are there, they just need to be deployed in the right way. But it was perhaps concerning to learn this week that in a survey conducted by a company called CybeSafe, 16% of the companies they contacted said they had knowingly ignored subject access requests. Subject access requests are a fundamental part of GDPR. They are the part which gives each and every one of us the right to know what information an organisation holds about us. And whilst, yes, I can understand why companies and organisations are reluctant to fulfil uh, subject access requests because of time and resource implications, at the same time it's really important that you do because 
we know that the ICO is starting to take a much firmer line on companies actually complying with subject access requests. Now, just to remind you, in case you're not sure, uh, a subject access request, once you receive it, then the person making the request is entitled to expect to receive the request within 30 days of the date that they request the information from you. Now, you can seek an extension to that if it's proving particularly difficult to retrieve someone's data, either because of the age of the data or simply because of the volume of the data. But you really should be using all your best endeavours to ensure that you are supplying the data requested to the person making the data request within 30 days. We've become aware through our own uh, audits that we've carried out with customers and also from inquiries from our customers who are part of our membership scheme, that people aren't quite sure when the 30 days starts from. So let's just clarify that for a moment. The 30 days starts from when you first become aware of the request. Now, an important part of verifying the request is obviously you want to be sure, and indeed you must make sure that you are certain that the person you are the feeding the data to is either the individual concerned themselves or someone who has written consent from the person involved, the data subject, for you to release that information. And that's very important that you have that in place. And indeed, we'd always say don't release the information until you have that proof. But you don't need to have that proof for the 30-day period to start. The 30-day period starts from the date the request is made to you. If that person doesn't get their data in, their information into you to prove their identity until day 29, you still have to release the information to them on day 30. Otherwise, you're in breach of the GDPR regulations and potentially laying yourself open to a fine which could be anywhere up to the region of around £4,000. Now, I would suggest that none of you want to do that, however heavy the admin cost might be in providing the information. I'm pretty damn certain it's not going to be £4,000. So do just provide the information. Remember that you are no longer allowed to charge for providing the information unless someone is making requests for information too frequently it probably means more than once every three months. Or the request is purely vexatious. But again, if either of those is the case, you must still write back to the person within the 30-day period allowed, telling them that's why you're not going to supply the information. You can't just sit on it and hope it will go away because it won't. And you're just leaving yourself open, A, for... A potential fine from the ICO and B for the ICO to carry out an audit of your data and that's just even more disruption for you so don't be tempted to go down that route please do just satisfy people's data subject access requests within the 30 days that are allowed. One other thing to remember is that you can't rely on needing your customers or your 
employees or whoever's making the data subject access request to use a particular form. They don't have to. They can just send you an email. They can just mention it in a telephone call. So it's important you make sure that all of your staff are aware. We saw a case just this week on a local authority website where on the bottom of emails that were, that their staff were sending out, there was a link saying, if you wish to make the data subject access request, then you must do it by completing the form found by clicking on this link. All other requests will not be actioned. Well, sorry to that local authority, and we have notified them, but sorry to that local authority, that doesn't fit the bill. Um, the rules are quite simple. If someone makes a request, you need to provide the information. It matters not which form they make that request in. And it's really important that you understand that. If you like some help with complying with data subject access requests, or you're not quite sure what falls under a data subject access request and what doesn't, then please do, of course, get in touch with us here at Insurity. Just drop us an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk and one of our team will get back to you and help you. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in and they want to make sure that they're operating as they should be and we'd like to offer this service out to all of you, all of our listeners. Uh, So if you'd like us to perform an audit on your GDPR uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be, that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurity.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. Please make the subject to your email GDPR audit, and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, We're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely, and for a pleasantly low cost. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect, it does depend on how many employees, how many customers, how many records, etc. you have. Um, But please do get in contact with us. It's totally without obligation, but do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done around May or June of this year to be annual from when GDPR came in, we are rapidly filling our diaries for that period. So uh, don't delay, do get in touch, do it this week and we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote. And for the first five of you to contact us to request a a data audit, a data breach audit. I'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50% of our normal fee. But that's only for the first five of you to contact 
us as a result of this podcast. Check us out on Facebook. Again, tying in with the anniversary of the launch of GDPR this week, uh, the polling company Ipsos Mori carried out a poll, not of companies this time, but actually of members of the public to see how much they understood about GDPR and what they felt the implications were. And the interesting thing was that the majority of people claimed to have a reasonably good understanding of GDPR. Um, 93% of the people who Ipsos Mori interviewed had actually heard of GDPR, so that's a good sign. And 39% said that they knew a fair amount or a great deal about it. 48%, so almost half of those interviewed, said they understood the rights that GDPR now gave them. And further questioning seemed to indicate that they were accurate in that. So people do seem to have a fairly good understanding of what GDPR does and doesn't allow them to do and what it does and doesn't allow companies to do. And 41% of those asked believed that since the introduction of GDPR, they now had more control over their own data than they used to. And interesting, that 41% who say they have more control over their data rises to 49% amongst the 25 to 34 year old age group. What was interesting as well for those, perhaps of you who may still be thinking, is GDPR that relevant, is that 57% of the people interviewed by Ipsos Mori said they were more likely to use a website which was either clearly GDPR compliant or indeed displayed a logo to indicate GDPR compliance. Now, when we audit companies we actually provide them with a logo which they can put on their website which just makes customers or potential customers more aware that that company is taking GDPR seriously and that they've had training and that their staff know how to handle data securely. So if that would be of interest to you and you'd like to be um, one of those websites more attractive to these 57% of people then please do get in touch with us. Um, the details of how to request an audit were in the previous article on this podcast, so you should have heard that. But in case you haven't, do just get in touch with us at podcast.insurity.co.uk and we'd love to help. However, it's not all rosy because in the same survey, 40% of consumers said they dealt with some companies that they felt didn't even care if they were in breach of data laws. And so whilst the overall picture is good, and certainly I find it really encouraging that 93% of the public, or at least the public interviewed, had uh, heard of GDPR, there's clearly still quite a lot of work to do, and that's work not just for companies and organisations, but also for uh, GDPR practitioners such as ourselves, to make sure that more and more of the business community are aware of GDPR and what you need to do to be compliant with it. And of course, a big part of that is taking training. And the second part of that is being a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show. So 
Congratulations to those of you who listened to more than one episode of this program. You're already on your way there. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Thursday, the 2nd of May, saw the local elections across England and Northern Ireland. And certainly in England, it saw a major change in both the makeup of most of the local councils. And as a result, of course, that means there are now lots of new councillors who will probably not have received training in GDPR. And yet it's important that all do to enable your local authority to remain GDPR compliant. And so having previously provided training to a large number of local authorities in England, uh, we will be running a special online training session in the week commencing the 20th of May uh, this year. And we will repeat the session as many times as we need to to train everybody. If you uh, are listening and are one of our existing customers or you're not one of our customers yet, but you are from a local authority and you'd like your new elected members to benefit from our GDPR training, which is specially tuned towards the needs of elected members, then do make sure you listen to next week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show when we'll be bringing you details of how to access the online training. It will be a live session, so there will be an opportunity for your members to ask questions and get answers from our experts. Uh, there will be a charge for the online session and the demo providing details of all of that next week but please do remember that it's your elected members um, individual responsibilities to make sure that they are GDPR compliant and so we hope that a good number of you will choose to take up those training sessions but congratulations to everyone who's now been elected as a local councillor in England or indeed has made their way onto one of the new Northern Ireland authorities and commiserations with all those candidates who were unfortunately not successful this time around and best of luck for you all in the future. Check us out on Facebook. In the last 24 hours news has broken of a major security breach at online art service Canva, C-A-N-V-A. Early indications are that hackers have stolen the data of 139 million Canva users. Uh, Canva, the Sydney-based startup, is become something of a high flyer in, in terms of online graphic design services and indeed they recently purchased the stock photo company Pixabay Um, and so they are obviously planning to become a major player and potentially of course this data breach could be a setback to them but we hope that it isn't. Um, A hacker known as Gnostic Players has 
claimed responsibility for the data breach. Um, Gnostic player is infamous uh, since February this year. He, she, they have put on sale on the dark web the data of 932 million users stolen from some 44 companies all over the world. Today, Gnostic Players has claimed responsibility for this data breach with Canva. They said that they've downloaded everything on the database server at Canva up to May the 17th when Canva detected the breach and closed their database server. Stolen information, as far as we understand from Canva, includes customer usernames, customer real names, customer email addresses, and the city and country of their address. The good news is, is that Canva uses a very strong bcrypt algorithm for encrypting the passwords on the database. And so for the majority of the users, some 61 million users, their password has not been stolen. However, the remaining 78 million users used Google, or their Google login details, should I say, used their Google login details to sign up for the site without setting a password. So the clear um, action, I think, for everyone is that if you've got a Canva account, is now the time to change your password and certainly change your password that you use on Google um, if that's what you use to authenticate yourself with Canva. Canva is one of Australia's biggest tech companies founded in 2012. The Canva service has quickly become a favourite among regular users and large companies who often use it to build quick websites, design logos or put together eye-catching marketing material. Since its launch, the site has shut up the Alexa website traffic rank and has recently entered the top 200, and it's currently ranked at number 170. Just three days ago, coincidentally, the company announced that it had raised $70 million in Series D funding and is now valued at a whopping $2.5 billion US dollars. And so... We will doubtless bring you more news on this in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show because, as I say, this whole news has only broken in the last 24 hours. But, as I say, word to the wise, if you use your Google details to access Canva, then do play safe and change your Google password. And we will, of course... As they bring you an update on this in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. There are a growing number of groups right across Europe taking action via European Information Commissioner's offices regarding real-time bidding advertising systems which are used by a number of companies on the internet and managed by two key players, two key ad tech players, principally being Google and the Internet Advertising Bureau, the IAB, which sets the RTB standards, the uh, real-time bidding standards, 
used by other companies in the online advertising space. There have already been complaints in the UK and now there are also complaints raised in Belgium, Luxembourg, the Netherlands and Spain. Google and the IAB have yet to issue a formal response to these complaints and they're being investigated, as I say, by the Information Commission's office right across Europe. And one of the things which is slowing things down at the moment is whether a individual ICO will take the lead on this or whether all European ICOs will act on this investigation together. So to go back and say that the first complaints about this bidding system were filed in the UK and Ireland back in the autumn by Dr Johnny Ryan of a group called Brave and by Jim Killock, director of the Open Rights Group and Michael Veal, a data and policy researcher at University College London. That was subsequently followed by a further complaint by the anti-surveillance non-government organisation the Panopkin Foundation in Poland in January and now complaints have been lodged in Spain by Gemma gaudon Travel from the Eticas Foundation and Diego Fanjul from an organisation called Finch. In the Netherlands, the complaints have been lodged by David Kortweg from Bits of Freedom and also Jeff Ouslus from the University of Amsterdam. In Belgium, a complaint has been lodged by Pierre De Witt from the University of Leuven and there's now also been a complaint also in Luxembourg from a gentleman called Jose Bello. The complainants are also coming together and have appointed a lawyer and the lawyer is saying that they fully expect an EU-wide regulatory response given that the ad tech in question is applied region-wide. And to give an example of what's being complained about and what's being looked into, there was a bug disclosed last week by Twitter which illustrates the potential privacy risks around ad tech with Twitter revealing that it, it had inadvertently shared some Apple users' location data with an advertising partner. What's less clear is who else that advertising partner of Twitter may in turn have passed those people's information location onto, and that's one of the things which is currently under investigation. The core argument underpinning the complaints is that RTB data processing is not secure, given that the design of the system entails the broadcasting of what can be sensitive and intimate personal data of users to all sorts of third parties in order to generate bids for advertising space. And to put it into context here, the latest uh, complaints assert that personal data is broadcast via bid requests hundreds of billion times per day. 
and the lawyers are making the point that they believe this could be the most massive leakage of personal data recorded so far under GDPR. While the complaints focus on the security risk attached by default to leaky advertising technology, such a long chain of third parties being passed people's data also raises plenty of questions over the validity of any claimed consent for passing internet users' data down the ad tech chain. So we wait and see on this what happens because one complexity with the complaints is that technology and systems are applied across EU borders and involve multiple entities. This means that potentially multiple ICOs are going to need to work together to determine which of them should handle the complaint and which of them indeed is legally competent to handle the complaint. So this is going to run and run, I'm sure, through the rest of 2019. But as we get any update from either the ICOs themselves or from the complainants or indeed from Google or the IAB, we will of course bring it to you in the future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.